Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the table of contents so you can find Habakkuk. Uh, that's where we started off last week. We're going to continue through the series in Habakkuk. So uh, don't feel bad if you can't find it. It's a small book. It's hard to find. It's a minor prophet. And uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of heads up in case you weren't here last week, uh, Habakkuk was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah. And he is prophesying before the Babylonians come in and, and take everyone into exile. And so he is seeing the condition of his nation. And the condition of his nation is that they are a violent uh, wicked people. Uh, God's people have gone back into idolatry and, and they're worshiping false idols. And, and just he sees all the things that are happening and he cries out to God. He, he begins to ask questions. God, what's going on? So this is what he says. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? And last week, what we said is it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to come to him with, with your concerns. And as long as you're coming with a sincere heart and not a cynical heart, it's okay to come and ask questions. And, and sometimes we may or may not get the answer from God. And so God does give him an answer in verse 5. In 5 through 6, it says, Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. So what God goes on to tell him there is, look, the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, I'm going to raise them up. They're an evil nation. They're going to come in and they're going to, they're, going to, they're going to punish you for the sins that are going on in your life. And so what, what we're going to see here is that, is that he has kind of this rebuttal. Wait, wait, that's not fair. Yeah, you ever told God things aren't fair? Well, God, that's not fair. I don't think you're doing that right. And so he, he kind of has this moment of crisis in his faith. And so that's what we're talking about. It's a, it's a frustration in our faith. And how do you deal with that? Because a right faith doesn't erase the deepest questions, but it does anchor us when we ask them. And likewise, a right faith doesn't answer our deepest questions, but it anchors us when, it, when we ask them. So there are times when we're going to be like, God, that's not fair. What are you doing? What is going on? And we're going to have these deep questions. And, and our faith doesn't always erase them. And it doesn't always answer them. But a right faith anchors us when we can't answer the frustrating questions of life. And so I like how Ken Fincher says it. He says, many impatient Christians' faith fizzles before the finish line. Many people who claim to know Christ, they... Their faith fizzles out when they're frustrated, when questions go unanswered, when things don't seem fair, when things don't seem right. They struggle in their faith before they reach the finish line. Let me ask you, does your faith tend to fizzle out in frustration? Or do you still follow Jesus even when all the, answers, all, all the answered questions aren't answered? Do you continue? You see, we're called to follow Jesus even when we don't know where it'll take us, even when we don't, it doesn't make sense, and even when it doesn't seem fair, and even when we suffer along the way. See, this is what Jesus told his disciples. When he called his disciples, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fair. It's not always going to make sense, but will you follow me? He said this in Matthew 10, 16 through 18. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Wow. To be a follower of Christ does not mean that all of your questions will be answered. To be a follower of Christ doesn't mean that all the things in your life are going to go as you have planned. And sometimes you're going to say, it's just not fair. Now, a lot of people will say that, that uh, scripture that I just read is for uh, the first apostles and for the first disciples. And since they paved the way, then we don't have to suffer anymore. That does not make any sense. How can you say that to Christians who are in persecuted countries? I was reading on a website called Open Doors about a grandmother in North Korea. She would sing a song to her granddaughter. And the words of that song are, Father, I stretch my hands to thee, no other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, ah, whither shall I go? He shed his precious blood from sin to set me free. With my heart repenting, I come before thee. These are the words of the praise song that he, Jen's grandmother, softly sung to her behind locked doors. Every Sunday, this grandmother who loved Jesus would bring her wide-eyed young granddaughter into the tiny bedroom where the two of them would kneel down and pray and sing in a hushed whisper, so quiet they could barely hear themselves. My grandmother would hold a service for about 30 to 40 minutes long, remembers he, Jen, now 31 years old. She started out with praise songs, and we would sing together. After praises... We would make, she would make a speech, and I didn't understand back then, but now I think she was reciting the Apostles' Creed. Afterwards, she would pray for her family. He, Jen, old enough to know that what they were doing was also deadly, she knew that if she accidentally told someone her grandmother followed Jesus, her entire family, herself included, would be wiped out. In North Korea, if someone is discovered to be a Christian, the whole family to the fourth generation can be eradicated. Prayer has power, he Jen says in hindsight. My grandmother prayed so many times amidst persecution, praising God with a cheerful heart. I remember her always being filled with joy. She says, in fact, that I can pray now is an answer to my grandmother's prayer. You see, faith faces frustrated times where we don't have all the answers. Why? Why is it hard? Why is it evil? Why is there suffering? Why is there sin? Faith and frustration anchors us to the one who is in complete control, even when we are facing unanswered questions, difficulties, hardships, sickness, persecution, and an unrelenting enemy. We're not promised an easy road when we follow Jesus. Like the rich man who came to Jesus, and behold, a man came up to him, this is in Matthew 19, 16 through 22, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? 
And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It was going to cost him more than he was willing to give up. See, following Jesus has less to do with following rules and more to do with following him. And that's a tough thing to swallow. You can follow a moralistic mindset of Christian values and miss following Jesus altogether. Following Jesus requires giving up oneself, not becoming more religious. Paul, the apostle, he got this. He realized that there was going to be suffering and persecution and trials and unanswered questions. And he said, you know what? It's all worth it to know Jesus Christ. He says in Philippians 3, 8 through 10, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. The Apostle Paul got it. It's going to be hard. There's going to be times of suffering and pain, but it's all worth it to know Jesus Christ, to have a faith that produces itself as righteousness. That's what Habakkuk gets to. Habakkuk gets to this point where he's saying, God, that's not fair. It's it's just not fair. Here's my rebuttal. I, I object to what's going on. Maybe you've said that. You ever said that, that this is not fair? Maybe you've had a kid say, that's not fair, right? That, that's, that was their response. And, and you love that because you could say, life's not fair. Learn it early, right? That's what I said to my kids. Um, it worked out, right? So uh, maybe you were speeding. Maybe you were on your way to Florida at fall break, and you're like, you know, we got to get there. We're going to make record time. Everyone's going 80 miles an hour down the interstate. You're all going fast. And there's people still passing you, but yet you're the one that gets pulled over and gets a ticket. And you say, ah, that's not fair. Now, I haven't heard any stories. So if that happened to you, God's saying something. So I don't know, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're, maybe you're a teenager or a child, and all of your friends are doing something, and you're doing it with them, and you're the one that gets caught. And you're the one that gets punished. And you say to your parents, well, everyone else is doing it. That's not fair. This is what Habakkuk says. Look, I know we're sinful. I just cried out to you and said, violence, how long? And then you say you're going to raise up this evil, sinful nation. And I'm going to say, hmm, that's not fair. That's not right. So can I pray for us as we jump into God's word? Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, it speaks to us right where we are, and and the purpose of your word is to reveal you to us, God, that we would know you more deeply, and that we would long to be in your presence more intimately. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that we can have faith, that it is a gift from you, that it holds us, it anchors us to you, even when times are frustrating and when we face suffering and fear. God, you are there. Father, we thank you that you're a sovereign God in control of all things. And we submit our lives to you. We want to follow you. In Christ's name, amen. Habakkuk, chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Here we go. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? 
We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You, who are purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up, the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings them of he brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Chapter 2. I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Let's stop right there. The righteous shall live by faith. When you're frustrated in your faith, recall the truths of God. This is what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk gets to a point where he's been given some bad news and he doesn't really know how to, how to take it. He doesn't know how to digest this bad news. And so he begins to backtrack. He begins to say, all right, well, what do I know about God? What do, I, what do I know and what do I hold as truth? And so this is what he says in a rhetorical question because he knows the answer. He says, are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. He says, look, I'm trying to find some solid ground to stand on because in this frustrated time of my faith, I don't know where to stand, and I I feel like I'm losing grip here. I I don't really know where I'm at. You ever got bad news before? And you had to kind of take a step back and begin to preach to yourself and begin to tell yourself what the gospel says and begin to say, all right, what do I know to be true about God? Because right now this is, this is wrecking my life. I need to find some foundation. I need to find a rock. That's what he says. Oh, rock. So here's three things that Habakkuk recalls about truths that are, that are of God. Habakkuk recalls the truth of God's everlasting nature. Are you not from everlasting in Psalms 90, 1 through 4, the prayer of Moses, a man of God, it says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Is what the psalmist says, look, look, 
God is from everlasting to everlasting. Habakkuk says, I need to take a step back and I need to look at all of creation and realize that God is in control of all things because he created all things. Before all things were even created, God was everlasting. God has always been and he always will be. He's outside of time and space. He's not held by dimensions. So I may be facing this little problem in my history right now, but God makes history because it's his story. God is outside of everything, right? I need to take a step back and recognize who God is. Romans, Paul says this in 120, he says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. We are without excuse. We know that there is a God who created all things. He created all things, and Jesus Christ is God. John 1, 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not, was not anything made that was made. Sometimes when we get bad news and we wonder why, we ask God, that's not fair. We need to take a step back. We need to recount and recall the truths of God, that God is an everlasting God, and that Jesus Christ is the God who created all things, who put on humanity and stepped into earth stepped into humanity so that he could live the life that we couldn't live and he would experience life the way we experience it. He understood pain. He understood suffering. He understood all of these things. He understands questions that people have that can't be answered. He stepped into humanity and he suffered like we suffer. We have a God that's everlasting, who deeply cares for his people. The same thing Habakkuk tells himself to formulate a foundation of faith. He, he recalls the truth of God's everlasting holiness. Are you not from everlasting? O oh Lord, my God, my Holy One. What's interesting about the terminology here is that Habakkuk is saying that God is self-existent and self-reliant because he uses the, the word Yahweh for the Lord. This is the name that meant I am, the eternally existing one. You remember this from Exodus 3, 13 through 14. He says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? I think that's such an interesting thing. The God of your ancestors have, has sent me to you. Yeah, what's his name? I can't remember. Um, then what shall I tell them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you has sent me to you. Jesus Christ is the great I am. John 8, 56 through 58. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered before Abraham was, was born, I am. Sometimes we need to recall the fact that God is an everlasting God. Sometimes we need to recall that Jesus Christ created all things and he entered into humanity and he is the great I am. He is self-reliant. He is self-existent. He needs nothing to be God. He doesn't need anything that's going on. He is outside of the circumstances that we are going through. He is a great, great God. Habakkuk recalls a third truth about God to formulate a foundation of faith and he recalls that he has an everlasting covenant with his people. Are you not from everlasting? O oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. He goes back and he recounts the fact that there is an everlasting covenant that has been established. He says this in Genesis 17, 7, 
I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and to be the God of your descendants after you. Habakkuk did what everyone who is frustrated in their faith needs to do. Find solid ground in who God is and what Jesus has done. Sometimes we need to take a step back and realize that there is an everlasting covenant through Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that he has written his law on our hearts, that he has made it away so that we could live in righteousness, that we would no longer face the wrath of God. O oh Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O oh rock, have established them for reproof. Sometimes the only foundations we have, the only rock we can stand on in our faith is to remember the truth of God. Just to remember who God is. Psalms 42, 5 through 6, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. My Savior and my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. When you're frustrated in your faith, remember God. Acts 4, 11 through 12, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other name. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Sometimes we need to find a solid ground. We need to go back and recall who God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and stand on the truth that we know when our world is falling apart, when we get bad news, when our faith is frustrated. When you're frustrated in your faith, wrestle with the sovereignty of God. It goes on in verse 13. You who are pure... You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? The, the name Habakkuk means to wrestle or to embrace. At this point in the storyline, this is exactly what Habakkuk is doing. He's beginning to wrestle with the fact that there's a sovereign and holy God that is allowing what he says to be a more sinful nation to come in and destroy a lesser sinful nation. How can you allow this? I'm wrestling with the sovereignty of God because I know that if you're everlasting, I know that if you're holy, that you're self-existent, I know that you've made a covenant with your people. If I know all these things about you, then how can a holy God allow this to happen? It's not fair, he would say. I, I can't imagine because... Habakkuk had a, a flaw in his, in his view of what is fair. Habakkuk viewed Judah's sin as lesser evil than Babylon's sin. That's not fair. That's worse than what we're doing. You see, it's easy to diminish the severity of our own sin when we compare it to the sins of others. That's not fair. But here's the truth. God's a sovereign God, and when he looks on sin, it says, can your eyes that are pure look on sin and idly sit by? It's all sin. He's just failed to see that Judah's sin is, is as severe as Babylon's sin. He goes on to talk about 
the Babylonians and how they just come in and they, they like a, like use a fishing metaphor. They come in and they just drag the net and they just scoop up all the plunder and all the nations. How long are you going to allow that? Because they worship their own power and prestige. How are you going to let them do this? You see, Babylon was known as a nation of pride, arrogance, luxury, wealth, and inflated egos. Can you think of a nation known for pride, arrogance, luxury, wealth, and inflated egos? They didn't know how sinful they were because they had it so good. That's not fair. You see, it's easy to look at the sin of others and compare ourselves. It's also easy to forget how sinful we are when we worship our own work, our own success, our own luxuries, and our own riches, and live as if we don't need God. You see, God is sovereign, and he sees sin as sin. We see degrees of sin. We see, well, that person's worse than I am. So, God, you should bless me. And we diminish the severity of the sin in our own lives. This is where Habakkuk is. And so Habakkuk is super frustrated and he's wrestling. So when you're frustrated in your faith, refer yourself back to the word of God. I love this answer. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. He says, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down the words of God. Habakkuk, I want you to write this down because people are going to read this and they're going to know who God is. You see, God's word is written so that we can know God, not so we can answer life's problems. Did you get that? God's word's written so that we can know God, not so we can answer all of life's problems. There's a lot of times where we say, well, there's got to be an answer to that in here somewhere. Let me see if I can find, oh, it says we should stone them. That's what it says we should do. It doesn't answer all of life's questions. Sometimes our questions go unanswered. Sometimes they never get erased. But yet, when we know God, we are anchored to the one who holds all truth. An everlasting God, a holy God who does not go back on his covenant. You see, waiting on the Lord in faith is not the same as wanting a fix to your problems. A lot of times we say, I'm waiting on the Lord. Are you waiting on the Lord or are you waiting on a fix to your problem? Because we're not always promised a fix, but we are promised his presence because quick fixes do very little to grow a person's faith. If it seems slow, Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Habakkuk writes down God's word so that men and women of faith can refer to it for generations to come so that they can keep running and keep the faith. He says there, he says, write it, make it plain on tablets so he, who, he may run who reads it. What an interesting word there. Paul refers to, the faith as, to faith as running as well. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, um, some of you know this, some of you don't. I, I like to run. I, I do. Like, it's kind of like my me time where I can go out and I can just go for a run. I can put my earbuds in and I can just, I can just run. 
And I'm, uh, I'm crazy, but I'm, not, I'm only half crazy because I've not ran a full marathon, so I'm only half crazy, right? So as, as a runner, there's things that you need to know. There's, there's things that happen on a long run. So when you're running, you know, one or two hours long, there are miles that are great, and then there are miles that are horrible. There are miles where you feel good and you feel like you could go forever, and then there's miles where you feel like the world is falling apart, and namely your knees are falling apart. That's what you feel like. Like my whole body is just going to fall apart. So, yeah. So you know, yeah, Spartan race, right? There are times when it's painful and you're struggling. Here's what God says to Habakkuk. There are going to be people who are going to need to read what you write down because they're going to be running the race of faith. And at some point, they're going to hit the mile that's difficult. They're going to hit the point where they feel like giving up. They're going to hit the point where they feel like, why do I even try? None of my, none of my questions are being answered. I, I'm struggling. I'm frustrated. And he's like, Habakkuk, you need to write this down because the one who's going to run needs to read this and remind themselves that I'm here, that I am in complete control. Just like when you're a runner and you need water or you need Powerade or Gatorade or you need something, some energy boost, there's times when you're running the race of faith and you need to refer back to God's word so that you can be strengthened, so that you can go on. So what does he write down? Are you ready? Here it is. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. Babylon, they're puffed up. They're prideful. Sinful people are puffed up. They're prideful, not upright, but the righteous shall live by faith. Look, it's going to get frustrating. It's going to be hard. There's going to be seasons of suffering, but you need to remember something. The righteous live by faith, not by having all the answers. The righteous live by faith. Yes, there will be evil, there will be pain, there will be suffering, there will be frustrations in this world, and people will be puffed up with pride, and things may not seem fair, but the righteous will live by faith. Paul says it this way. He refers back to what Habakkuk wrote. Romans 1, 16-17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, write this down, the righteous shall live by faith. Here's what Paul says. Look, it's written down. We know the gospels. They're written so that we can know who Jesus Christ is, so we can know that there's an everlasting God who sent his one and only son so that we could have life and have it more abundant. Is this life going to be always easy? Is this life going to have frustrations? God is there. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news because Jesus Christ has made a way for righteousness. That's what Paul says. He says, look, we need to remind ourselves of the truth that God's at work, even when we can't see it. He's at work through Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, Paul again refers to this in 10 through 12. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is Everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. 
the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Just as Habakkuk began to say, well, we're not as sinful as they are because we keep, we keep some of the law. Here's what he says, look, the righteous will live by faith. They're not going to live by the law. They're not going to rely on their own abilities. They're going to rely on Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in the law and who you think is righteous or who is less sinful. But remember that righteousness is through Christ alone. Who God is. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he says this, chapter 10, 36 through 39. For you have need of endurance. Are you in a, are you in a faith that's a race? So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Do you need endurance? Are you frustrated in your faith? Are you, have you hit one of those miles where you need to be reminded of what God has written down? Do you need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, it seems like it's delayed, but it's coming. Wait for it. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith, and their faith will not fizzle over time. You see, even if we are frustrated with circumstances and unanswered questions, our faith must not fizzle out before we reach the finish line. Here's the truth. We may be frustrated, but we know that one day it will all be made right. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. We know that Jesus Christ will return to judge the world in sin. We know that we must refer back to the word of God and remind ourselves of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that our, our righteousness is not found in keeping the law. It is found in Christ alone and that there is no longer any wrath for those who live by faith in him. Can't say that all of life's questions will be answered. We can't say that our faith won't be frustrated. What we can say is that sometimes we need to stay, take a step back and find foundation. Remember who God is. Remember what Jesus Christ has done. And remember that as we wait on him, the righteous will live by faith. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons each week.